Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Why don't you turn to two or three people and say, good morning, eyebrows on fleek. What did you do with your hair? Are you moisturizing? Come on, what's that under the eye cream you're using at night? You look amazing. Come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. God is good. I am really excited to uh, teach and preach uh, today. Today's kind of one of those fun standalone things. Uh, Next week is Palm Sunday, and after that is Easter. You've got some cards on your seats. Take those. Pass them out like crazy. We are excited about Easter. We're going to have a 10 a.m. and a noon service, and so we are really, really amped about Easter around here, Um, and uh, it's just going to be a good season. Then we're starting a couple weeks after that on emotional health, so I just, the whole spring is going to be be great. We're going to dedicate some babies later this spring. Come on, who doesn't love to dedicate some babies up in here? So it's just going to be a great spring. Uh, We're looking forward to it. Uh, But today, I want to talk about what to do when I fail, what to do when I fail. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. Thank you for being our guest today. We have a gift for you uh, afterwards. And also, I want to kind of give a shout out to the podcast. We're catching some traction. And so thank you, all the podcast listeners. Uh, that's been kind of fun to get some traction there. Uh, what to do when I fail. Kind of have a fun illustration to start out this morning with that. I was helping making coffee this morning, and I spilled on my shirt. And I have a spot that is really bothering me. And I thought the only thing I could do is talk about it publicly and then just embarrass myself. What do you do when you fail? What do you do when you get a spot on your shirt and you got to preach in front of everybody? I don't know. You get, you get through it. Um, a couple, couple uh, years ago, my brother and I did some diving in Key Largo. I, I do enjoy scuba diving. And as sometimes uh, you know, I'll charter a boat to go out, and sometimes we'll rent our own boat, and it's just kind of fun, but you got to make sure that you, you know, dock it right, otherwise you, you get back up, you don't have a boat, you don't want that. And, and so we are going through the channels, uh, you know, from, from Key Largo, trying to get to the open ocean. And as you go through these channels, you've got these markers, And the goal is you have to stay between these markers because on the other side of the markers are shallow water. You you might hit a reef. uh, You might get tangled in the mangroves. So you've got to stay in between the markers. Uh, As I teach and preach today, there there are some markers for us in this message. Uh, Both the justice and the mercy of God run parallel. They are markers held in tension. Both the uh, judgment and the grace of God uh, are, are markers, right? So God gives us love, but, but there is justice. He gives us mercy and grace, uh, but, but there's also a calling to obedience. And so we live in the tension of these markers, right? If you get all over on the righteousness side of things, what typically happens to us as a church is we become mean, We'll tell truth, but we are just mean and nasty. And you end up like the Pharisees. They're right, but they want to throw stones, right? So it's been said that, that truth without love is mean, and then love without truth is meaningless. That if there is no north star, if there is no right way to follow God, if there's no response to the call of obedience on our life, well, what's the point, right? So we live in the tension of these markers. And today I want to 
talk, again, what to do when we fail. And I, I was really trying to figure out what biblical character do, do I use to e- explore some of this tension that, that God gives us when we fail, when we sin. And, and I, I, had, I boiled it down to David, and, and I know Katya preached on Bathsheba last week, and so this weekend I'm just going to end up spinning it from David's side. Uh, but there was, I, I kind of wanted to go the Samson route because I think Samson's such an amazing character to study, right? His whole life he struggled with wrong relationships. He got so many things right, but he could never get wrong relationships out of his life. He had a brokenness, and he just kept going back to wrong relationships. And in the end, what happens, his, his whole ministry falls apart because of Delilah, right? And, and, and this will teach us something, like, you know, when somebody always wants your secrets, that's got to be a red flag. Come on, somebody. Like, like, like toxic people always want your secrets to steal your strength. Ooh, that'll just teach itself right there, and we can move on. But, but his whole life fell apart because of wrong relationships. He just kept getting himself to a brokenness. And God turned around at the end a little bit. He came back to God. But I don't think his story really ended the way God wanted it to get because he just couldn't get that out of life. I, I was thinking about Saul, too. I mean, Saul is so incredible. And, in fact, if you compare what Saul did to what David did, Saul's story is relatively minor, right? Like his sin is relatively minor compared to what, to what David did, uh, and yet, yet he never brought his heart to the place of, God, what you said matters to me. That, that what I want and what I think is just more important than what you want and what you think. And, and what is that called? It's pride, right? Like pride. God, you're, you're not right. I am right. And the temptation to redefine morality is so great, isn't it? Like, it just really is. It's like, this is what God says. This is what I think it should be. Done, right? So it's, it's like, and Saul's story did not end the way uh, it really should have because why? Pride. It wasn't like his action was unforgivable. It's just his pride God couldn't work in his life. And so I think there's so much there. But David is what I wanted to hang on today. And if you're unfamiliar with the story of David, I'm going to recap it and literally one minute, but David becomes the king. The Bible says God declares him a man after his own heart. In other words, this, this man really seems to love God. He's really after God. He's doing a lot of good things. Um, and, but the, the, the story kind of opens. It says, the time when the kings went out to war, David stayed at home. That's kind of how this part of the story begins, which I think is really interesting. Let's be where we need to be so we don't end up where we're not supposed to be. Oh, that'll, come on, to say amen to that, okay? Like, that'll preach. Like, let's be where we need to be so we're not where we're not supposed to be. I think a lot of sin gets committed because we're bored. We're not on mission. Our mind's not on the right thing. We're not doing what God's called us to do, and we're just bored. And so we're like, I'm not where I need to be. I'm bored, okay? I, th- I think when you get bored and, and you just get lazy with some of those spiritual disciplines, you get to a place in your life where you're like, I feel like I'm deserving of this. And so David gets to a place, and, and I've actually been to that spot where they found um, David's palace, and, and you can kind of see that he's got this high position, and he looked down into this ravine, into this valley, and so he looks at Bathsheba, he's like, yo, she's hot, and so he calls for her. Now, this is, this is more closer to abuse than it is an affair. Sometimes it's been taught like, oh, they had this crazy fling, and it really wasn't like that. When the king calls you, there's nothing you can do. You, you can't call a court, you can't go to CNN, like there's nothing you can do, right? So it's more, more of an abuse situation. 
And then what happens? She gets, she gets pregnant, right? David thinks it's a one-night fling, and it's all over. She gets pregnant. And then we go from there to, hey, I'm going to call her husband home. Surely he'll sleep with her. No harm, no foul. They'll, they'll, everybody will think it's his kid. He doesn't go sleep with his wife, so he sends him to the front line, and he kills him in the front line of battle. And then he comes along, and he looks like publicly like, yo, he's married this widow. He's done the right thing. The Bible says what he did displeased the Lord. So you've got abuse, you've got murder, and you've got cover-up. How many of you know you got the great start of a Netflix documentary right there, okay? Like, I mean, this is like, this is a juicy story, right? This is the story, like, reporters want to get a hold of, and it's the king of the country, and it's a godly king, and yo, this is drama, right? This is, this is a real nasty mess. I think one of the reasons God leaves his story in the Bible is not to shame David for all of eternity, but that it might give us some hope. Because I don't know about you, but every believer I've ever known has failed somewhere, and they failed someone. They failed somewhere, and they failed someone. I think it's probably possible to get saved and never sin again. I've just never met anyone that has been able to do that yet. God is working on all of us. Can I get an, a healthy amen? from that. We don't want to be a church that throws stones. We want to be a church that points people to the Savior. And I think to do that, you have to have some humility, right? And just say, let's look at this and say, what do I do when I fail? What do I do when I fail? Number one, a few markers for us this morning. We want to begin with God. If you're taking notes, please write this down. Let's begin with God. You got to hand it to David that when the prophet Nathan confronts him, when God confronts you with your stuff, your heart will get softer or it will get harder. We want to get softer when God confronts us with our stuff. So Nathan comes along, he gives him this story, he, he reveals to David what's actually happening, what he did. He confronts David. You know, when you have someone in your life like Nathan the prophet who loves you and is willing to speak truth to you, keep that person close. See, a lot of people will tell you the truth, but they don't love you and they don't care how you turn out. You got to hold their opinion with a little less weight, right? If somebody loves you and they'll talk truth to you, man, you want to listen to that, right? You, you want to listen. You don't want somebody around your life that just tells you all the good things and won't actually ever challenge you, right? You can't grow that way. And so he's got this guy, Nathan, in his life. He, he confronts him, and, and David gets soft, and he begins with God. In Psalms 51, 1, this is the psalm that David writes after the sin with Bathsheba. And it's a beautiful psalm, the whole thing. I won't read it just because of time today. But he says, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my, my sin. Religion says, I messed up, let's not tell dad. Gospel says, I messed up, I need to talk with my dad. Right? You can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? And, and the very first sin, what are they doing? They're hiding, blaming, and self-medicating. They're covering. They got the leaves. God's like, that's not my way. It's sacrifice pointing to the sacrifice of his son coming one day. Right? Religion is man's best effort to get to God. Jesus is God's best effort to get to man. Your heart has to be transformed. And the only way for your heart to be transformed is Jesus. 
the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to even care what you're doing is wrong is him, right? And so that's gospel at its core. David began with God. I love my little man Z. Last week, uh, we've had several conversations. I bought him a new soccer ball about not kicking the soccer ball in the house. And a few days ago, his little Z came up to me. He goes, Daddy, I got some bad news to tell you. I'm like, what is it, buddy? He goes, well, I kicked a soccer ball and I hit the flower. And I have my favorite orchid in the house. It sits on our kitchen table. And, and it's got all these beautiful purple flowers on it, right? And it's just a really neat orchid. So my little man, Z, kicked the ball really well, really hard, nailed the orchid, dirt everywhere, knocked all the flowers off of the plants, right? Like busted one of the little leaves. And, you know, but I, I have to be honest, I was so proud that he told me and he came to me. He didn't even get in trouble this time. Now, we had another conversation about not kicking the ball, in the house, but before Z and I have been working about telling the truth and coming to dad when you do something wrong. And this time I thought, you know what? I'm not going to punish him for coming to me. I'm going to reward him this time for being honest with me. Can I just be honest? If that's my heart, how much more is that our heavenly father's heart? Look, look, at, look at this in case you've forgotten this. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. I wonder if some of you in here this morning, you just struggle with coming to God because you always think God is ready to condemn you. That when I fail, I was talking to a believer recently and they said, oh, I can't come to church because I'm messing up so much right now. I'm like, sweetheart, that is exactly when you need to start coming to church every single Sunday is when you're messing up every single Friday. Why? Because when you mess up, that's when you need to fall forward, not backwards. That's when you need to jump into gospel and not religion. That's when you need saving and not shame. Amen? Come on, guys. Like, like we've somehow taught a message that you got to get your life together, then you can show up. No, no. You show up, and then things start getting together. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. We've got it con- confused. I need to come to my Father. I need to, not not just lip service, but with my heart, with repentance, I need to come to my Father. Another marker for us this morning, what do we do when we fail? Well, number one, we want to begin with God because it all begins, it all ends with Him. It really is His story, not our story. We want to start with God. Number two, in humility, we want to accept the consequence. We, We live in a generation, we just love gaslighting. Like, we love blaming everyone else for what I'm responsible for. Part of growing up in God and part of growing up in maturity is taking ownership for my stuff. In fact, you can't have a healthy marriage until each of you own your stuff. It's never 100% one and 0% the other, right? If you talk to one spouse, they'll give you all the, like, four or five things their spouse does. And then you talk to the other one, they're like, well, here's a list of six things you do. You know, but it's like, hey, man, this thing doesn't get healthy until I own my stuff. How many know the only person in the world you can control is yourself? Right? The only only person I can control is myself, and even that's hard sometimes. You ever tried to, like, eat better, work out at 6 a.m.? right? Take, run that mile. I mean, it's hard, right? It's like, it's like, hey, I'm going to eat the oatmeal today instead of the cinnamon rolls. No, just kidding. Like, it's hard to control yourself, let alone any, anybody else. But in humility, when I'm healthy, I want to accept 
the consequence. Not all sin carries direct consequence with it, okay? But, but, and, and, and not every bad thing that happens in your life is because of a sin you committed, okay? So we want to be careful building theology on experience alone. But some sins really do carry consequences. You know, the Bible says with David that, you know, obviously the child, that first child they had together died. It was a consequence of sin. And, and, then, and then actually the Bible says that the sword would never leave David's house after that. That his house would always have drama and pain. In it. And if you read the rest of his story, there's a lot of very sad, very painful things that happen in David's house because of a consequence. Now, again, not every sin that I go out and commit, God gives a direct consequence to, but there are sometimes sin carries consequences with it. And what I want to do as a believer is I want to own in humility, sometimes my behavior makes a difference. And I can't blame that on somebody else. I, I can't blame that on God. I want to be healthy and just take some ownership of that in a healthy way. And, and I, I think David does this in verse 4. He, he says this, he goes, against you and you only have I sinned, and I've done what's evil in your sight. You're right in your verdict, and you're justified when you judge. What's he saying? God, you're right, I'm wrong, right? What does pride say? God, you're wrong, and I'm right. Like, even in consequence, I still won't choose humility. And David here, all of a sudden, he repents, and he's like, God, I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to admit you're right, and, and I'm wrong, and I'm going to take some ownership. Have you ever heard the phrase, like, you can't solve the problem until you first admit that you have one? Okay, there, there's something about this where it's like, God, when I realize that I can't blame my spouse, I can't blame my parents, I, I can't blame my cousin, I have to look at what I have done wrong and start with me. You've heard me say this before, the church needs more thumbs and less fingers. Amen. It's so easy to point at Matt and Shelly and, and Jay, but what I really need, what I really need is to look at my, myself. Amen. So in humility, I want to understand that there are some consequences, and I want to own that. The next marker for us. With his help, I need to forgive myself. Could you imagine how hard it was for David to forgive himself? I mean, he, God chose him, anointed him, used him. He's a man after God's heart. He's worshiping. He's doing all these incredible. He's the leader of the people. God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to him. And you just literally abused someone you murdered this man that was like one of your mighty warriors, and you tried to cover it all up. How do you look at yourself in the mirror after all that? I mean, you guys might have done some crazy things this week, but I sure hope you didn't try to have anybody murdered, okay? Like, I'm going to just bank on the fact that you didn't go that far this week. I mean, you cut them off, you flipped them off, but you didn't, like, plot their murder, right? Like, okay, so, so I'm going to just, let's just say that you didn't go that far, Okay? How does David face himself? How does he face himself? Look at this. In Psalms 51, 7, he says, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. See, some of you have a hard time forgiving yourself. If you're a believer in here this morning, you believe that God is great, don't you? You would all believe that God is greater than, than you. Right? So if God is greater than you, wouldn't you say that God's opinion is greater than your opinion? Right? You're tracking with me so far. So if God is willing to forgive you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Come on, that is a really good point. 
If God's opinion is greater and he says, I am willing to forgive you and wash you clean, who are you to constantly condemn, beat up yourself for something you did five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, and you still are like, I'm still living in condemnation. I'm still holding on to shame. I'm still struggling with guilt. I can't get over what I did when God is like, I have long forgiven and forgotten that thing. A few verses for us this morning. Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our sins from us. Hebrews 8, 12, I will forgive their sins and remember their sins no more. Micah 7, 19, again, I'm going to have compassion on them. I will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Yes, you'll cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. God's job is to cast that sin into the depths of the sea. Your job is to post a no fishing sign. So my pastor used to say, he goes, stop bringing up what God's trying to drown. Stop bringing up your past and giving it CPR. Let it die. Let it drown. Let it go. It's gone. Stop bringing it life. Stop giving it life. Stop letting it rent space in your head. God said, I have removed it as far as the east is from the west. And if God could do that for David... As extreme as that failure was, he can cover the somewhere and the someone you failed. Amen? So I want to forgive myself. I want to acknowledge in humility that God's opinion is greater than my opinion. Your forgiveness is powerful. I am free. You you cleanse me. You forgive me. You wash me. I am white again. I'm clean. I'm, I'm white like snow. Number, number four, the next marker here for us. Just two more, guys. We'll get out of here. You tracking with me okay today? Are we okay? We're all we're there? Okay. Uh, number four, this is, this is some tension with this one. I want to heal where I can. I, I want to heal where I can. Some people will forgive you, depending on how it all breaks down. Some people will forgive you. There's reconciliation. It gets restored. You can bring a ton of healing, okay? Sometimes people will not forgive you. The Bible promises that God will forgive you if you come in real repentance. It does not say anything that everyone else will forgive you. Sometimes so they will forgive you. Sometimes they will, will not forgive you. Sometimes people will forgive you, but they won't trust you. And I think in humility, you have to understand that. And I think so often we're like, oh, it's, it's like, no, actually, you did that thing. Let's, let's just own that. Let's own that you made the mistake. I want to, in humility, get the consequence. Sometimes the consequence is just broken relationships. Right? Sin will always break relationships. It'll break it with God. It'll break it with others, you know? So it's like, I'm just going to own my side. I'm going to own my part and just realize, yo, it's, it's okay. Right? Paul said, as much as I can, I want to live at peace with other people. In other words, there's sometimes you've done all you can do. You've repented. You've, you've asked for forgiveness. I think one of the most powerful phrases in the entire English language is, I am sorry. You know? I mean, just, you ever know anybody that can't say, I'm sorry? I know a few people, right? Like, let's not be that person. Like, when I'm wrong, I want to just say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to bring healing where I can. Sometimes I can do that, and sometimes I can't. Trust is built brick by brick, isn't it? And it's built over time. But how many of you know one action can knock the whole wall down? And I have to realize, if I'm the one that knocked the wall down with somebody, i got to realize, like, it might come back and it may not. But I'm going to, in humility, begin to do the right thing. In David's cultural context, he did the right thing by marrying Bathsheba after that. To some people, that might sound a little weird. In our culture, that would be weird. But in his culture, he did the right thing. God chose 
the son Solomon to be king, and he did the right thing by honoring Bathsheba and Solomon. God chose to anoint him and give him wisdom above everything else, right? So there's kind of this beautiful end to David's story. He led with love. He wrote more psalms, one of them being this psalm, right? He went on to do some very beautiful, very godly things. He kept the faith. He transitioned the kingdom well. Uh, God chose to choose his line to bring about Jesus. So, so he, did, he did wrong. He repented. God got him back on track, and he was able to, to finish. God never wanted that to happen, but he began to do right where he could, and he brought about some healing. I, I have to realize in my life, the people that I've failed or the mistakes we've made, it's like I want to repent, and I want to bring healing where I can, acknowledging I can do all I can do. Sometimes, and I want to say the tension of this, guys, sometimes I've seen believers, they keep trying to touch it in the natural, and I'm like, baby, you got to let it go. You got to let God be God. You got to have space for God to work on them. And in humility, you got to just own what you did and give God the space to be God in their life. So often we're like, oh, I screwed up. I want to fix it, fix it, fix it. God doesn't need your fix. God needs your faith. He doesn't need my fix in the natural. He just needs my faith. I want to trust that I'll bring healing where I can, but I'm going to leave space for God. Last, last one this morning. I want to move forward. This is an important one because I think a lot of believers get get stuck here. I want to move forward in his grace, with his strength, in the power, after being forgiven, I want to move forward. God has not called me to live the rest of my life stuck in my mistakes and failures. My sin is part of my story. It's not the end of my story. Aren't you grateful for a Jesus that doesn't treat us as our sins are deserving? Come on, because the Bible says we've all sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You put a magnifying glass on everybody, everybody getting canceled in this thing called righteousness. No one can stand. No one can stand. And so I receive the grace and the forgiveness, and I want to move forward doing what I can to make the world a better place place. Here's what I do know right now, right? I know God's not done with the world. I know God is not done with the church of Jesus. It is still his bride. He's coming back for a beautiful bride. He's going to keep working on the bride until all of our spots and wrinkles are gone. How is he going to do that? I have no idea, but that's what it says. He's going to keep working on us until we all get this thing right, okay? He's not done with this church, amen? He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your kids. He's going to keep working on the people around you, and I want to move forward. I cannot live in the wrong that I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and neither can you. You can't live in the wrong you did last month. You have to move forward in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. They're part of my story. They're not the end of my story because God has more. I want to forgive myself, and I want to move forward. If God hasn't taken the breath from the lungs yet, that means there's more for you. Amen. Everyone has failed somewhere. Everyone has failed someone. It's not over. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you really quick as I close today? Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice today. 
And Lord, there is a tension in this message today, and you are the only one that knows when to dispense justice and the only one to dispense grace perfectly. The rest of us navigate these waters. But God, I just thank you today that all of our sins are forgiven by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, and that as we reach out to you in faith and we, in humility, with a sincere heart, ask you to forgive us, God, you said that you would wash us completely clean. And God, I thank you that you've removed us from our sin, that you've kept us and you've thrown our sin far away. And so the times that we fail, we want to look to you because we know you have so much more. And with all eyes closed for a moment longer, if today's message just kind of hits you, you say, yo, Pastor Matt, just, I, it hit me. I needed that. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to let something, would you just lift your hand really quick? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. That lets me know we're right on point so you can put your hands down. So Father, I thank you that you're sending, Lord, just a fresh renewal in everyone's heart. God, I thank you their sins are washed clean by the power of Jesus. I thank you for filling us afresh with the Holy Spirit's power. We don't have the power to take ourselves to heaven. We don't have the power to live like heaven without you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you guys just give it up for Jesus this morning? Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.